Hello and welcome to the Spring To It podcast. I'm your host, Craig Harmon. Today, I bring you coffee. We love it, don't we? We need it, some of us do. And I'm going to talk with Chris Johnson of Purify Coffee, and it's absolutely amazing. Chris has got an unbelievably powerful story, and he's not shy about sharing it. But the funny part about Chris is uh, his contact in my phone is labeled Coffee Pastor, and that is who he is, not just um, spreading the gospel about coffee, but also... Um, sharing about his faith, sharing about what God has done in his life. And it's absolutely amazing and powerful. So I'm really, really excited to be sharing this with you today. But first, Harmony Music Education is our sponsor of the Spring To It podcast. And Harmony Music Education offers private piano, voice, trumpet, beginning guitar, and ukulele lessons for all ages, from preschool all the way up to adults. Uh, Time is available during the day for lessons, as well as sometimes are available after school. Summer program information will be available on the website, harmonymusiceducation.com. That's H-A-R-M-A-N-N-Y, musiceducation.com. will be available March 1st, so check that out. Uh, That'll be coming up really, really quick. Now, on to my conversation with Chris Johnson. The two of us sat down over coffee because, well, you know, when you're talking to a coffee roaster, that's what you do. So that's what we did. Here's my conversation with Chris. I am here with Chris Johnson of Purify Coffee. Chris, tell us a little bit about you and your backstory and just how you got to where you are in roasting coffee? Um, it's It's been an interesting journey, um, but uh, I didn't have roasting coffee on the radar. Uh, I got into roasting coffee kind of on the backside. I'm not, I don't, I've never worked in a coffee shop or worked for another coffee professional, but I was just looking for an, uh, a field that would put me in the path of people who may need to hear my story and my experience, hoping that like my story and my experience with me being open, I call it hot. I got that from Mike Todd. I think it's honest, open and transparent. Um, With me being like that, they hear some of the things they may not even respond to, Mm -hmm. but they kind of take it in. And then uh, maybe when they're faced with the situation, my hope is that they don't make the stupid mistakes I made. <laughs> All right, so let's That's talk. the quick version. <laughs> let's get into it a little bit more. Okay. Let's talk about your story. Uh, what, is, what is it about your story that makes it hot? <clears throat> so um, basically, I come from a mixed uh, family, black and white. And I had a lot of identity issues growing up. Sometimes I wonder if I get too deep, but this is over the years as I analyze it, it just begins to peel back a little bit more of the yeah. onion. And so um, I had identity issues. You know, I wanted I wanted to be white because I don't know, maybe because of my mom. I love my mom. I don't know, but I I desire to be white. But I was more accepted by the African American, the black community, really? 
but I didn't quite fit in because all my friends in the neighborhood I lived in didn't have the swag, you know, mm-hmm. or like the, um, the, the, I don't know, the persona of what would be cool and accepted for that crowd. And so it, it, it was just a, and then the whole time I was friends with those who were white, you know, I was typically, I look at it as like this and it may not even be true, but maybe picked on, felt like the outcast, mm-hmm. and I always feel like I need to prove myself. Right. Mix that up with uh, my dad, who's like a Rolling Stone, you know, he was a musician, traveled, played all over the city, you know, um, but he was gone a lot. Uh, and so, I found my validity or my approval through others. Yeah. And so there was a gap there. And, and <clears throat> basically what it led to uh, was making some bad decisions as a trade-off for acceptance of others. Mm-hmm. Not knowing that those decisions, which was smoking weed was the first one yeah. of many, um, would lead me down a path of addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, some people say there's a chemical imbalance in certain people that whenever they try certain things, it's just an automatic match yeah. and it's off to the races. And I think that's probably mixed with my emotional instability, looking for approval and trying to shut off the mind frame, the, the, the running conversation in my brain. Uh, it just, it did, it did it for me. Mm-hmm. And so there I went. Yeah. And so um, that... I pause as I drink pause. <laughs> um, so it was my, um, I think in middle school, maybe sixth grade, seventh grade, went to a youth camp with my brother. Uh, it was called Spring Memorial Baptist and now it's called Founders. But went to a youth camp and had an encounter with God. And my life I thought was going to be changed, you know, like, oh, okay, this is great. Yeah. I've been saved. Um, I've accepted Jesus into my life and uh, I believe it was genuine and real but I came back home to the same circumstances and friends mm-hmm. right. uh, I didn't uh, have much roots and I don't point the finger at anybody I'm just trying to assess the situation because yeah. I still chose to make bad decisions so um, throughout this time I was always a good athlete and, uh, and I was extremely smart you know, I didn't have to study much. It was in all of the AP or GT is what they called it then, yeah. uh, classes. And you didn't have to study. And so I was, I was smoking weed at 13. Um, at about 15, it was probably every day. But I was also playing sports and uh, was real good at that. I could get my dad's attaboy yeah. through sports, through yeah. the times that he was there. And I can also get the approval from the crowd through sports. So it was just another avenue mm-hmm. that was a little more healthy than drugs. But uh, it, it turned out to be good at it. And it was my senior year. And uh, I had a couple scholarships online. And, and I went up to one school in Nebraska. And I really enjoyed it. And the whole time I knew I wasn't supposed to be smoking. And I would, I would have stints where I would go to church, you know, and I would try to do right, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't. And I'm not trying to say marijuana is bad. I just know for me, it was, it was a, um, an escape. Mm-hmm. And I don't think escapes, escaping all the time is good. Right. When, are you, when are you going to be present, right? Like, right, absolutely. My whole life is an escape room. And so, um, um, senior year, I got 
I was at a friend's house and we got arrested for weed. Told the coach in Nebraska, he said, okay, do your six month probation. I think that's what they wanted me to do. And uh, by then it'll be time for school. We'll, we'll just disregard this as a mistake. And, and a month later I got pulled over and I did not have weed at that point and I wasn't even smoking, but the people I was around oh did. And we got pulled over, they threw it all in the car and, the, and, the, and they wouldn't say whose was whose. And once again, not blaming anybody else, I put myself in that situation, but uh, we all went to jail for it. And it violated my probation and I got some county time, which was only like 30 days. Um, I only did like five, but the coach was like, nope, this looks like a yeah, pattern yeah. and we're not gonna be able to, to move forward with this. And so, uh, I went into a deep depression. Yeah. And I had some like real sick friend games we had. And uh, some people won't understand this or you may want to cut it out, I don't know. But it's called Slippers Count, the stupidest game. It basically was if one of my friends passed out because they were too high or whatever, too drunk, tired, and anything they had out and we took, they could not get mad. Wow. It was the dumbest game. So we were at my house. I passed out. My, my two best friends at the time took some stuff. It's like, okay, great. So a couple of days later, we went over one of their houses. He passed out. And I, I think I took some Xanax that night. And uh, I took way more than I should have taken, let alone the, uh, the owner of that house was part of HPD. And so, uh, fast forward a couple months, it came out that I was the one who did it. Uh, I gave everything back except for one item, which I couldn't return because uh, I didn't have it any longer. But um, he didn't press charges, but the state picked him up. And so he dropped the charges. They arrested me. They let me go. He dropped the charges. The state picked him up, and they gave me three years uh, TDC. So, and then that's state prison, basically. Yeah, yeah. A felony. So at that point, I had a felony, two misdemeanors, and uh, signed for three years, went away, did about nine months in May parole. When I got out, I knew I couldn't smoke weed or else I would fail drug tests. Yeah. And I wouldn't say the stars aligned, but the enemy aligned or whatever you want to call it. I met another person who introduced me to methamphetamines. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I can feel like this and be clean in three days, let's go. And so like, wow. once again, I was back to like, cause I'm beating myself up, I'm a convicted felon, nobody's gonna hire me, I won't ever be able yeah. to have a family and a wife, and I'll live, you know, and just in that deep depression and just trying to suppress and escape and I can't use my normal go-to, so now I found meth and it was off to the races. Um, I ended up getting a couple possession of controlled substance charges while being on parole. They gave me a slap on the wrist, let me stay out. Then eventually, uh, I committed a stupid crime, um, uh, robbery by threat. I was going into stores with notes and saying like, hey, I have a gun. Never had a gun. Right. But I was just jonesing at the end of my road of using the drug that will take everything from you, meth. Um, um, and, and I would get money from these people and on the last one uh, the last one I ended up getting shot and uh, I got away for the moment and that's these are all stories in the self and I don't want to yeah. go super yeah. long in them but 
just each crime kept getting greater and greater at the end it was uh, what they call a dope fiend mentality and that's what I was yeah, and it's yeah. it's and pride doesn't want me to say that because there was time when I was a dope dealer I was a dope man and I was like the guy but eventually it just took over uh, sure. burn every bridge from my parents to my friends um, schoolmates girlfriends couldn't keep them just burn them all and so I ended up getting shot got away but I dropped my phone I had already violated parole that I was out on so I had a blue worn out for my wrist. And uh, I was at a, at a new friend's house when the cops were called because they didn't recognize who I am. She was gone. They didn't recognize who I am, who I was. And so when they came, they called her, verified that it was okay for me to be there. And she said, yeah, I'll be right back. But they said, well, he has a blue warrant. We're taking him in, we'll lock your door up. But when, right before they came, I had just put a needle in my arm. And I had just lit up a joint to smoke. And I was, I, I had been crying out for years for God to help me. Like, I know this is not what I'm supposed to do. Lord, please help me. Like, yeah. I can't stop. I've tried AA. I've done a couple of recup Salvation Army, mm -hmm. some halfway houses, some three-quarter houses. All, uh, and just, I would continue to go back. So when that cop came to that door and knocked on that door, I was finally like, okay, thank you. And so whenever they, I had swimming trunks on, nothing else when I got processed in the Harris County. And uh, when he put the handcuffs on me, I was free. Wow. Completely free. And I was super uh, grateful. Uh, at the same time, of course, sad, because I didn't know how much time I was going to get. Right. So I went down the county. They tell me you got a blue warrant. I knew that already. Uh, but then some detectives came and saw me. They said, hey, uh, we found your phone at a robbery, at a scene of a robbery. And I didn't argue, I didn't ask for a lawyer. I wanted to face my consequences for my yeah. actions to kind of clean that slate so I can begin to move forward because I knew this is kind of what I needed. I needed a separation from the environment yeah. I had created over years. And so he said, because you're being honest, you know, we're gonna give you six years. <clears throat> um, but at this point, that means I have now three to four, don't even remember, felonies. and two to three misdemeanors and so this new charge ate up or covered the old charge because mm -hmm. it was longer right so it took over that they gave me six years and um, I ended up doing four years on it it was non aggravated I never caught a case never got in a fight I almost got my two-year degree I was a trustee the entire time and I was still in there for four years Wow. I saw parole a year and two months, and I got set off. Set off is basically when you go up before the parole board, mm -hmm. they say, you're gonna, we'll see you again in a year or two or three, depending on your behavior right. and your crime and where you're going to. Do you have your parole situation worked out? And um, they gave me a one-year set off three times or two times before they gave me a rehab exit out the door. But it was about... From the moment I was in there, I was serving uh, God the best I could and trying to begin to rebuild and relearn who I was uh, in Christ. And uh, it was at one moment in one of my cells or bunks or sometime during that journey, my memory is shot because of all the drugs I've done. But um, um, I was sitting there, I was like, Lord, I have sold drugs, did drugs, committed crimes and waited tables and I don't want to do any of those anymore. What do I do? What can I do with my life? Um, 
And so coffee began to stir in my mind. I've never really drank coffee except for like liquid candy bar coffee because my mom's coffee was horrible. So I would <laughs> all kind of creamer yeah, yeah. and sugar. And so it would just taste like sweet, hot, uh, caffeinated hot chocolate. Mm -hmm. And um, um, coffee just began to come up. And I was taking some like online like uh, website classes and stuff. Um, to And I started like playing around with doing websites and stuff mm -hmm. and the thought was a cafe but uh, um, I just knew reason why coffee clicked for me was because a lot of people have an opportunity or how can I say it? a barista position is easily accessible it's becoming very available mm -hmm. And a lot of young people are in it. A lot of people going through tough times are in it. A lot of people on their way to a particular degree are in it. A lot of people are confused about what degree they're going for and they're trying to make some money are in it. And my idea was I would love to be right there in that intersection of everybody's life, just telling my story like I am right yeah, now. Yeah. As ashamed as I am sometimes about some of the things that I, I've done, I hope that someone would hear it and kind of identify with it and my whole like little word play on words is I would either deflect them from going a direction they may be headed that's similar to mine mm -hmm. or inject them with encouragement if they're going in the right way by sharing, hey, this is what happened. I made these bad decisions, but bad decisions. But what you're doing, you know, this is pro you know, this is what you're setting yourself up for, with, whether it's saving money or treating women with respect or showing up on time, being um, dependable, communicating well, all these things that have to happen in the coffee industry. And so that's that's how I got in this. Wow. That's, that's kind of the story. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, I know, so when you first started, you were just roasting out of your garage, mm -hmm. right? Because that's that's how I first got connected to you. You had posted on Nextdoor that you were roasting coffee and delivering it. Yeah. And I was like, hey, this is cool. But then what really connected me with you and what you were doing was, I think it was a dollar? I think it was for every bag you were putting towards some mission. And I think it was like every month was like a different mission. Um, and that really clicked with me and I was like, hey, this is great. Cause I love coffee and I love, you know, want to be able to support missions. And that was what connected me with you and what you were doing. And I, I think that really speaks volumes to who you are and what your heart is. Yeah. And I think as you're, as you're talking about this, that, that kind of triggered for me of how you're doing that in an amazing way, right? That, that idea of being at that intersection, that's exactly where you are right now. Uh, you are encouraging and including people who are, you know, who are struggling, right? And, and, and really giving them that opportunity to, to build skills or like you were saying, to just, you know, learn those basic things of showing up on time, being responsible, all yeah. those things. That's awesome. I think yeah. that's just, that's, that's so good. Um, so let's, let's dive into some coffee talk a okay. little bit. All right. <laughs> all right. So what is your most favorite bean that you roast? What is the, what is your personal <clears throat> favorite out of all of them? My personal favorite, even though, uh, I, I won't drink it every day, all day, mm -hmm. just because of its, um, how special it is, is our Finca Vija Inez. Okay. Um, it's a fully natural Colombian, mm -hmm. but it is like the poster child of this is special. 
Like whenever you smell it, mm-hmm. whenever you have a cup, you ask, is this coffee? You know, and as you taste the berry notes, the fruit notes, mm-hmm. the lively acidity, um, yeah, the grape notes, you just really begin to go, wow, this is special. <laughs> like this makes sense yeah. to pay for, you know? And so yeah. that coffee we've had for three years, uh, going on three years, different harvests, and we're using the same coffee uh, supplier slash hunter, Joseph Wine from Cereza Coffee. Uh, lives in New York half of the year or less than half, and then in Colombia wow. and Honduras and kind of moves around yeah. through Central and South America the rest of the year. Um, but yeah, I would say the Finca Villa Inés. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, so there's so many different ways now that you can brew your coffee, right? Whether it's French press, whether it's percolator whether it's you know regular old method of you know putting your putting your coffee in a little filter and all that good stuff or you know all the, the chemex kind of stuff all yeah. that what yeah, yeah what in your expert opinion is the best way to make a <clears throat> cup of coffee well that's a loaded question <laughs> it depends on what coffee you're using okay it depends on how many people are with you are you drinking it solo is this just for you or is there a group of people that's gonna be with you? It also depends on like availability. Me and my wife uh, just were blessed with our fourth kid. Yeah. Which when I went away to prison, I had no wife, I had no kids, I had no house, I had no job, I had no cars. And God is like, man, my life is like totally different now, which is a testament to that too, as I sit in the intersection. Um, we went to the hospital and I took a kettle, I took RO water, I took a uh, AeroPress, yeah. and I took a scale. And the reason why it worked, because it's got this little bitty filter, it's very easy to clean up, um, and it creates a nice um, stout cup. One of my favorite drinks is a long black, <clears throat> which is basically a double shot of espresso mm-hmm. with about, depending on your choice, two to four ounces of hot water on it. Because mm-hmm. I like a rich, um, not developed, but just like super uh, dense flavored right. coffee. Um, and I like espresso, but I like to drink it on a little bit longer than like three swallows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right now I'm really vibing with the AeroPress. Yeah. But that's only going to get you a one cup that right. you can split. And that's what me and my wife did. We made a cup and I split it with her. And uh, the nurses were like, your husband is serious about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. So AeroPress. Yeah, oh AeroPress. Okay. Uh, so. Have you ever tried AeroPress? I don't think I have. It's Actually, pretty sweet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, something to add to the list, I yeah. guess. <laughs> All right. Um, so talk about the difference between freshly ground coffee versus you know, already ground coffee. You know, you can go to the grocery store and you can buy the whole bean or you know, obviously go to you and buy the whole bean or, you know, just buy the bag of already ground coffee. What's, what's the difference really between those two? So coffee after you roast it. Uh, goes through a what they call a degas process. Um, so coffee, the way coffee is created is very. Whoever made it was brilliant, <laughs> God. Absolutely. Uh, but the, its cell structure mm-hmm. really does the job of. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? The cell structure really does the job of kind of prolonging its freshness. Mm-hmm. So the moment you break up that cell structure and you're exposing it to, I think it's the three or four enemies of coffee, which is oxygen, 
heat, mm -hmm. water, and sunlight. Mm -hmm. And so those four things are now, it, it's, it's more exposed mm -hmm. um, compared to, and this is a bad analogy, but like someone who may not be that dark, they go to the beach and they don't put sunscreen on, sure. they'll get toasted. And, and they're more exposed to the dangers around yeah, them. Yeah. And so that's what that cells, that, that, that structure of the bean does for coffee. Because it is, once you roast it, once you pick it, it's going towards dying. Sure. Right? Because you've taken it from its vine, its mm -hmm. source of mm -hmm. its supply. But then we roast it, so we put all this hot heat and, and hot air, and we put it on there and we cook it. And now it's at a state where it's, it's going to continue to fall and quality. Mm -hmm. And when you grind it, you're speeding up that um, decline of quality because it's being exposed to those four enemies um, mm -hmm. that take away the freshness. And what is like freshness? We're talking like the coffee we source, we want all of our coffees to have some sort of sweetness. Like mm -hmm. That's for sure. Um, acidity, which a lot of people like, I don't like acidity. And what I mean more is flavor mm -hmm. rather than like acids. Right. Um, so like the liveliness in the palate, which is a, is a huge um, defining factor of specialty coffee, that'll begin to fade. You can begin to get like a hay or woody um, kind of baked flavor in your mm -hmm. coffee mm -hmm. um, because it's being exposed. It's breaking down uh, yeah. itself and taking away those compounds that when you add water to it, bring out these delicious flavors. So. Oh, I hope that answered. Yeah, no, question. that's, that's, I mean, it's, it's really amazing of how much detail there is, right? Because, I mean, it, it, it can be, you know, the convenient way to go is just to buy the already ground coffee, right? Um, but I, personally, I love being able to just get that whole bean coffee and just grind it and then make your, make your cup. Yeah. Because it is, I mean, it is a different taste and it's, it's really interesting to, to just kind of understand that difference. It's an experience too, right? So yeah. like whenever you wake up or you roll into your little area of making coffee and you grind those beans, that's like your first sensory experience. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like, oh my goodness, especially if it's good uh, good coffee. The smell just gets mm -hmm. you excited, you're Absolutely. heating up your water, you're doing and then you get to smell it after it's brewed before you drink mm -hmm. it. And then you get to drink it and oh man, that's great. And then you get, you know, the effect everybody's looking for. Absolutely. That jolt of energy. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right, one last question. And this is probably another loaded question. Okay. Um, but I think it's I think it's a good one. Uh, and that is, what is the biggest lesson that you've learned in your experiences of Roasting coffee. Hmm. Um, I would say right now, because you asked me next week, it may be something sure. different. But right now, um, the biggest lessons I'm learning about roasting coffee is in anything you do, the tendency to look at those. Um, outside of your project for approval is still there. Mm -hmm. And so I can walk into a room, I can walk into a room and get 99 handshakes and hugs and one person not hug or give me a handshake. And the entire time I'm thinking, why did they not mm -hmm. give me a hug or handshake? And so that, um, tendency to look for approval outside of um, the project you're doing is still there for me. 
And so I'm seeing that through coffee as I try. You got two, you got different groups of people in the coffee industry. You have the consumers who just, okay, great, I'll buy a whole bean, yeah, and I got a grinder at home. I'm not gonna use a scale, you know, I'll use a scoop. Or I have a scale, but I'm not gonna use a timer. You know, there's different sure, levels. Sure. And then you have the specialty industry who's got a point scale and looking at the color of your beans mm -hmm. and they're approving, oh, does he offer light, dark, and medium? Oh, dark, he's not a specialty coffee roaster, you know? like yeah. so. I can find myself trying to please the nerds, sure. and I'm a nerd too. I'm calling them what I am. I can find myself trying to please them, which will suffocate the beauty of what's going on in the moment because I'm trying to please. So that's what I found through roasting coffee that um, that tendency is there. That was like super deep, but that's okay. Also, what I found through roasting coffee is you never really uh, arrive. It's a crop. Yeah. It's a harvest that that is built off of the humidity, the rainfall, the soil, and there's no way the soil last year is going to be the same as next year. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so, how it acts in the roaster next year may be different. And so, the moment you get a hang of it, some switches, you know. And so, yeah. it's forever. You can learn the basics. It's it's applied science. It's an artistic application of science. Mm, I love yeah. that. That's really good. Yeah. All right. So, if people want to get coffee from you. Where do they go? So please go to the website. It's, uh, we spell our name a little different. Um, it's www.purifycoffee.com. That's P-U-R-E as in Edward, F as in Frank, and then I, uh, and then coffee.com. Also, um, on our website, you'll see maybe uh, some locations that we serve our coffee to or have our coffee for sale in that's on one of our pages of our who are our partners and then also on the weekends for our local community you can find us at two farmers markets on saturdays memorial villages which is like in um the memorial area uh i-10 Voss and bingle great farmers market and then tomball farmers market which is right in old tom old tom old tomball uh off of north main kind of over there by um the info center every Saturday, both of those are going on from nine to one. And you can always come into the roastery. Um, the, the address is on Google. So if you throw in that purified name, it'll pop up, but we're here Monday through Friday, nine to five with fresh beans. Pretty soon we'll have a new espresso machine making drinks. We'll have some tables in here for people who may want to work and hang if they're okay with being in a manufacturing environment. It could be a little loud, but that's coming soon. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, you deliver too, don't you? I deliver not... When I started, I used to deliver yeah. to everybody's house. Yeah, yeah. But as we've grown, um, I only deliver mainly to uh, our wholesale partners okay. Okay. Uh, of volume, simply because uh, just certain things have to change as you grow. And we are a small business. Yeah. We are a small team. And I want us to continue to be able to give to these organizations, which means we need to remain profitable. And so there's some tough decisions we had to make. But what we did do was we roast three days a week. Mm -hmm. We ship three days a week. Yeah. And if you spend over $30, shipping is free. So, you know, uh, especially if you're local, it'll be there the next day, just about as if we were delivering it. Yeah. And so that's kind of how we tried to offset and kind of keep that, um, um, I guess, that service, level of service. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time, Chris. I will make sure to uh, have a link to the website and the show notes for the for the podcast. And uh, 
thank you again. Really appreciate it and all the, all the amazing work that you're doing. For sure. You're a day one. <laughs> I'm just absolutely floored. Um, I knew part of Chris's story. I didn't know that much depth and detail of it. Um, and I've known him for about five, six years now. Um, but it's just absolutely amazing to see his heart for connecting with people who are struggling and challenged um, in life and his heart for caring for other people shines through so brightly and so powerfully. And he's been my personal primary source of coffee for about the past five, six years, as long as I've, as long as I've known him. But it's more than just coffee with Chris. Uh, it's, it is really about that relationship and that connection. And uh, I just really, really encourage you to go over to the roastery and check it out or check out uh, one of the farmer's markets. And actually, I talked about the Town Ball Farmer's Market last week. Uh, I think you would really, really enjoy going over there and checking it out. Um, and get to get to see what uh, Chris is doing, get a sample of the coffee, and it's amazing stuff. Actually, after the interview, <laughs> I sat down and looked up uh, information about an AeroPress because I was unfamiliar with it, and I might possibly be, be diving into that uh, sometime in the future because it looks kind of interesting. But uh, definitely check out Purify Coffee. Uh, the link to the website is in the show notes. Um, look at information about what they're doing, whether you're going to go to the roastery and pick up coffee, uh, have it shipped to you, whatever the case is. I just strongly encourage you to get coffee from Purify. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you are interested in having somebody or you know of somebody to be on the podcast, uh, I would encourage you to email me at springtoitpodcast at gmail.com. That's springtoitpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any feedback, email me at the same email address. Also, I'd love to have you give a review and rate the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. That helps to get the podcast out in front of people. And obviously, if you know of people here in the Spring Klein Tomball area, I would love to have you share the podcast with them. As this is a brand new podcast, it is all about getting the word out so people can find out more. So please do that. That would be amazingly helpful. And I will talk to you again next Friday. Have a great week.